0: Welcome to the Bank Leader Link Podcast, sponsored by BOK Financial Institutions Group. The team at BOK, based in Milwaukee, is comprised of experienced bankers who have focused their entire careers on servicing community banks in the Midwest. BOK Financial Institutions Group provides services created over several decades to meet the evolving needs of your community bank. With BOK, financial institutions are not just getting one skilled, experienced investment professional. Rather, they are getting the benefit of a whole team of professionals who have a proven track record so you can be confident in the service and advice you receive. BOK offers solutions that result in long-term partnerships. They are a great partner with the IBA and with many banks. Look for the BOK team at the next IBA event you attend, or reach out to BOK Financial Institutions Group at 866-440-6515 to start a conversation. Now it's my pleasure to introduce the host of the Bank Leader Link podcast, Randy Hultgren, President and CEO of the Illinois Bankers Association. Listen to industry experts share the critical links you've been missing to prepare yourself for the future of banking.
1: Hi, this is Randy Holtgren. I am president and CEO of the Illinois Bankers Association, and it's great to have you on the Bank Leader Link podcast. And I am so excited to have a really special guest with us, Ed Elfman. Ed has been a friend for a long time. Ed is the senior vice president of the American Bankers Association in charge of ag and rural banking. Ed just does a fabulous job fighting for especially community banks across the country that truly are serving the foundation of our nation, agriculture, rural communities, the places that I've seen over and over again where the bank is the reason these communities are still thriving. And yet the challenges are real for a lot of these communities. So I am so grateful that Ed Elfman has agreed to join us on the Bank Leader Link podcast today. Ed, thanks for joining with us. Thanks for having me on. Ed, tell me a little bit more just about yourself. How long have you been at the ABA? What brought you to the ABA? How did you get an interest in ag and rural banking that brought you to this important role?
2: So uh, I've been at ABA for 10 years, which is uh, unbelievable in a lot of ways. What's funny is when you work in D.C. for a while and you bounce around jobs, especially early in your career, I don't think anybody expects to be somewhere for 10 years. Just the way that D.C. kind of works as a city and the occupations around it, not to pick on on the bankers out there, uh, but I think like many of the agricultural bankers, I kind of fell into this job. I'm a farm kid from Central Minnesota. Grew up uh, on a dairy farm, of all things to grow up. Awesome. On. So you can see why I did not go down that that occupation. Uh,
1: <laughs> that is tough work, soon. right there. I know you you knew <laughs> yeah. better. Yeah, you saw it firsthand. Those early morning milkings and all that kind of stuff. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Come home from high school football and milk cows at night. That's right. right. You, That's if right. you want
2: to uh, go through two days and, and be tough. Um, <laughs> all your friends go home and they go lay in the lake or wherever and cool off, and you're going home and milking cows. So I knew I didn't want to do that for a living. I actually, Randy, I thought I was going to be a teacher. That's awesome. I, thought I was going to teach in a small high school. My hometown is 1,500 people, one stoplight, brick bank on the corner of Main and Elm like a lot of these, what's uh, the, these small towns. What's there. the name of the hometown? Maple Lake, Minnesota. Yeah, I've heard of uh, it. Absolutely. Home so, of the Irish. Nice. Home of the Irish. And we, uh, there, I really saw firsthand what kind of impact you can have by having a vibrant or not vibrant downtown right. like mine was. And I thought, like I said, I thought I'd end up teaching in a, in a town like that. 70 kids, a grade, high school, be a great head football coach, end up in a Hall of Fame. That type <laughs> I of love stuff. it. And, what happened is I went out to D.C. and I interned with my senator from Minnesota, Norm Coleman. Yeah, what a great guy. And yeah, he's a great guy. And actually, uh, I got a picture with him the other day nice. that are almost so 15 years apart. Me as an intern with him, and I took the exact same picture. I love that. That is so cool. So I got to get it up on my wall. But so interned with Mr. Coleman, and then worked with the National Corn Growers Association yes. the next summer. Came out and interned again. Then I did a stint. With Transportation, of all places. Hmm. So I am a bipartisan lobbyist. I've been on both sides. Yes. Um, just half it's important. Stance of how it all went. And then I did two years on Capitol Hill for Steve King from Western Iowa. Yep. I was his agricultural guy. About the same time, I think you were you were sitting on the committee Absolutely. There at one point. So I did that for a couple of years. And then ABA was looking for an ag lobbyist. Uh, so I did agriculture and small business to start out my career at ABA covered a lot of congressional offices I think I had ninety five offices at wow. one point just trying to make sure that folks are aware of why agriculture to banking why they need to protect credit for agriculture and then small business kind of went hand in hand with that because it's a lot of similar issues a lot of a lot of banks to the same side is dealing with both those and you mentioned the bank side I mean that is such a big chunk of agricultural banking overall yes there is just to throw a number out there for everybody, there are about 1,500 farm banks in the United States right mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. 15.5% of their portfolios in agriculture. So you're talking 5,000 banks in the United States and 1,500 are farm banks? Yeah. Uh, it's a third of the banks in this country focus on agriculture. So I guess the long and short of it is you can see why I have a job, right? Awesome. Uh, making sure that we represent that side of the world yeah. from an ABA standpoint. So, yes.
1: Yeah, Go ahead. I, I, I like
2: it. It's been a good gig. Well,
1: we appreciate what you do. Uh, again, I just believe it so strongly. You and I have talked some, but my background—I grew up in a small family business, funeral business—and kind of same as you learned. Hey, that wasn't for me. Grateful that my older brother went into it, but uh, but also just saw the difference that a community banker made. No way my parents would have ever been able to buy that funeral home in the mid '70s, but for a community banker that saw something in in them and took a chance, and I think it 's kind of that same thing with ag bankers that walk alongside again these oftentimes multi generational farms that are incredibly wise, really uh, are the best stewards of our land and of our future, literally feeding the world and yet have some headwinds. It seems like every year there 's something that farmers are dealing with, so anyhow, grateful that you 're doing what you 're doing and Yeah, you know those headwinds are real. I'd love just to talk a little bit about that. What are some of the things that you see, maybe most frustrating or biggest challenges that our ag banks and rural banks are facing these days?
2: Yeah, so let's we'll start big picture, right? So um, we have a committee of bankers at ABA that on our agriculture committee. It's actually the second oldest committee at ABA. Been around since 1913. That's awesome. Uh, But that committee, one of the big things they're looking at, or Really concerned about it's not 2022, it's a little bit of 2023 and then 24, where what happens if fertilizer doesn't start to show up? Yes. Right. It's one thing to cash flow things out, as a lot of you know, and put together, hey, we're going to have 100. Oh, I say 150, 200 bushel of yield, but folks in Illinois, it's more like 300, <laughs> 350. Yeah. Um, and it's like we don't
1: like want to brag, just like your uh, 10,000 yeah. lakes. I know it's more like 15 or 20,000, but you guys just don't yeah. want to brag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, so what happens if you don't have that fertilizer coming in, yeah, right? You yep. can't cash flow no. 300 bushel corn if you don't have fertilizer to get to 300 bushel corn. That's right. So that's one thing that the committee is paying attention to and agricultural bankers in general when I talk to them of what's 22 going to, or 23 going to look like? What's 24 going to look like? Rising interest rates combined with high input prices. I mean, that that can create some storm clouds, right? So, that's one of the big things on the actual nuts and bolts of banking. Yeah. Uh, the other side of the world, as all of you deal with all the time, dealing with the problem credit yeah, system so and other non-bank lenders. And frankly, folks, you know, they created that system over 100 years ago. Woodrow Wilson created that system. And I, you know, I guess I could see why they created it then. But the world's changed since then. In, in 1916, you couldn't make... Long term real estate loan, right? right? A, yep. a long term real estate loan was one year. Hmm. So they created the farm credit system so they could do five and ten year loans. And now every one of our banks can do a 30 yes, or a 40 if you can find a secondary loan buyer, yep. right? So you can go out a lot longer term on those things. And then the other side, they don't play by the same rules. Yep. And that's one of the most frustrating things we hear from bankers. And it's not just from credit credit unions as well. They operate under their own playbook and their own rules, which is just, it doesn't make any sense in the modern context, right? Folks can shop around for rates
0: through the internet
2: or through other sources. Farmers can find the best deal out there. So why do we have two systems with different sets of rules and different sets of taxation? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So that's, Outside of, you know, the regular headwinds of agriculture, which yeah. are that's the old joke in you know, Ag, right? It's too hot, too dry,
1: <laughs> too hot, too dry,
2: too wet, all those things
1: yep, cold. Yep.
2: But outside of that, why why do we have this almost non competitive competition? Uh it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, Yeah, it's uh, so frustrating. Yeah, com- have, Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say we have a solution. out uh, there that we're looking at I know. Called I love it. Yes. The Enhancing Credit Opportunities in Rural America Act. So sure. thank you for the support we've gotten yep. so far from, from the Illinois Bankers Association, but also from banks individually. What e does is it removes the taxation on income earned from interest. And that looks really good on a bumper sticker, right? That whole statement right yep. there. What, what it does, folks, it makes you level with farm credit from yep. a taxation standpoint, which – will help farmers for sure. at the end of the day because if we lower the cost for a bank to put a loan together on long-term real estate, farmers will get a better deal, they'll have more competition, they'll have more institutions they can go to that are operating under the same rules, right, just at least on the taxation side, the same rules, which will help farmers out yes. at the end of the day. e right now has about 35 members of Congress on it. Uh, six or seven senators last I looked, so I mean, it's growing in numbers. It's getting there. What we're really looking is coming into the next Congress in January, whoever the majority may be coming into the next Congress in January, really building that up and trying to get that to be part of the discussion as we roll into the Farm Bill That's in great. September of 23. We need to talk about ECORA more from a legislative standpoint, understand how it's actually going to help agriculture for long term.
1: Yeah, and it's, we're we're all in. I'm so grateful for your leadership on ECORA. And uh, I, again, I, I, it's the right thing to do. It's uh, just absolutely makes sense. Ultimately, it's gonna be good for rural America, just like the title of the bill says, that uh, gives them options, gives them opportunities. And again, I, I just, I see it all the time when when there's a need in a community, the first group that steps up to help is the community bank. You can't find farm credit anywhere. You know, other than making big donations, maybe nationally to the Farm Bureau and things like that. But, you know, like local, giving back to the community, that's what the community banks are doing. And farm credit, credit unions just aren't doing that. So it's a win 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 because it's, again, good options for farmers, for farm families. Uh, It it gives them, you know, a a real opportunity to kind of look out there and, and see several different ways to go. And honestly, I think what we need to do is. Both with farm credit, and and this is me speaking, not you, but with farm credit and credit unions, we need them back in their lanes. You know, they've just gotten so far beyond what was ever intended when Congress, you know, kind of created these very narrow definitions of where they were to serve and where they were to work. And we see it, I know you see it every day across the country where they are not only directly competing with banks, but Undercutting, stealing away because they're a GSC, they can do that. You know, they've got they can uh, steal away business from banks and not give back to the community like community banks are. So anyhow, sorry I get right. up on my soapbox well, on this stuff.
2: You, you, me too. I mean, the thing is, could you imagine if two farmers were next door to each other and one didn't pay taxes,
1: yeah.
2: and the other one paid full corporate rate? Because that's what we have going on right, right now. That's right. That's right. And whenever I say this to a farmer group, the farmers are like. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the point. (laughs) So so when you look at it from that perspective, it just, it's antiquated. It doesn't make sense. And frankly, it's kind of screwy that you have institutions operating under different sets of rules across the board. It's just never, it's never made sense to me. And frankly, some of you, some of your folks still be listening to this. I've seen this happen. You see a beginning farmer. Right? Farm credit's famous for this. Beginning farmer comes in, the going rate in the area is 4.5% 5% on real estate. But they say to the beginning farmer, I need one of your parents to co sign, or your interest rate's going to be like 7.5%, 8%. And when we start talking about that, you're in GSE that doesn't pay taxes on farm real estate. Why are you charging any higher interest rate to beginning farmers, making it harder yes. for them to get into the business? Right. So that's actually why we see a lot of banks do beginning farm lending because farm credit won't touch them. Wow. So you have the folks who have this government-sponsored advantage, yes. not helping those who need the help the most are beginning farmers. And instead, they're coming to the banking side and actually – that's another reason ECOR is a great piece of legislation. I I think we will help the beginning farmers the most of you know, all the folks in agriculture, because we will drive down their interest rates, continue to help a community we've already been helping, um, but help them actually get a better deal. At the end of the day, uh, all because of pricing, because I love, we, you know, things we can't control like taxation. That's yeah. Just the pricing we have. Still.
1: So, I love that, and I need to be better at, and we need to be better at talking about that, because I think that is it's a great point. And I know members of Congress are nervous about that. We see the numbers of average age of farmers increasing and wanting to to make sure that we can continue to to feed America, but also feed the world. Uh, We've got to have young people, women and men, who are willing to step up and do that really tough work that you remember uh, growing up on a farm. It's hard work, but it's incredibly rewarding. And there's people who are willing to do it. But then, you know, if they feel like they're blocked out from it, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to do something else. And we all again, lose out on that. So I love that argument. And I think that's a great one that we need to be talking about some more. And I think you're right too, you know, 35 co-sponsors, we're doing great, but I, I still, you and I kind of both know there's to me there feels like there's something magic a little bit at 50 uh you know if we can get to that 50 co-sponsor number especially bipartisan i'm a little nervous you know just that our, our chief sponsor congressman kind i know isn't running for reelection. so uh, i know we're going to be working on making sure we continue to have this be a bipartisan piece of legislation it's not one part or the other this is again good for rural america and the economies of rural america so if we can again like you said be ready even right now be talking members of Congress, gearing up candidates and stuff to be ready to hit the ground in January next year. Whoever's in charge of whichever body, making sure it's bipartisan, I think if we could get that 50 number in the House, we got a really good chance that this is going to move. And like you also said, especially with the Farm Bill coming up in 2023. Any thought on that? Any concern with the Farm Bill? Anything we ought to be aware of along with ECORA uh, with that um, looking towards uh, the next Farm Bill?
2: Yeah, so uh, farm is always an interesting experience for everyone involved in it. Yes,
1: uh, I lived through one of those, my, I think one or two. So yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah I think this will be my fourth wow. One. Yep. Which is crazy because I'm not that old, <laughs> uh, but we did. Uh, I love it. We did two of them in like a three-year at Yeah, I remember. At one, point there, yep. and one yep. failed and, and all kinds of stuff. And um, fun fact, I, in the 14 farm bill, I actually had a couple things end up in there, even now. Uh, not from the ABA standpoint. The stuff I have wrote as a staff. That's awesome. Like three years later. Love that. But the grazing provisions. If you're into grazing cattle on CRP lands and when you're in drought on your land. Nice. But the, Way uh, to go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. When we're looking at farm bill, a couple of things we're watching. Beginning farm. I wrap that up before And as much as I kind of went after farm credit earlier, we are working with farm credit and some other groups to reform beginning farmer programs at USDA. Because they're they're kind of inaccessible right now. Well, good example. To get a big beginning farmer loan at USDA, you have to farm for three years, which kind of gets rid of the whole beginning farmer. Right, exactly. So getting things like that cleaned up and changed, some of of those types of things, what we're looking at, down payment programs and how they work to better help beginners as they try to buy land, do things like that. So some reforms on that end are what we're really looking at. And then with a farm bill, it's always an exercise in how we're going to be affected as credit down the line. Yes. And what I mean by that is you can change a program. Let's take ARC or PLC, right? You can change that program and go, not a big deal. When we went for drug payments to so, ARC, yes. I was asked, are you guys okay with this? we are like, yeah, we should be okay, right? found out later on that drug payments were great because you knew as a banker exactly how much government payments someone would receive. It. Right. But with ARC, you don't find out until a year and a half later. Hmm. So from a cash flow standpoint as a bank, you have to do your math a little bit differently, right? Yep. So where I'm going with it, what we're always watching is how the programs might be tweaked or changed, crop insurance programs, uh, commodity programs, dairy programs how they might be tweaked or changed, and then how that affects you as a lender down the road, yes. right? So we're almost trying to anticipate what it means to your yearly operating lines or other things you might do from a banking standpoint. I don't see anything really big right now, depending on who the majority is. Right. If we have a Democratic majority, there's probably going to be more climate and green provisions yes. as part of uh, USDA. How it affects us, I mean, that's always hard to say uh, because it's really our customers that will be affected at the end of the day. If we have a Republican majority, probably gonna be a more traditional farm bill and farm bill process where it's, the fights will be over nutrition programs and less fights over some of the commodity things. Commodity programs have actually worked pretty well. For the last five years, I could see a lot of just re-upping, maybe changing the reference price prices because crops are so high right now in price. But overall I don't see any big massive reforms depending on the majority. Right? If you have Democratic majority, then you might get into must do XYZ yep. climate provisions in order to qualify. But that's it's hard to say what that will look like, you know, a year from now right. at this point. Or who who frankly is in Congress after the second Tuesday in November. Well, we're gonna see what 80 new members of Congress. I know, that's amazing. Mem- I mean, there's gonna be a big turnover, and we're gonna get to the point. This is one thing to think about with the farm bill. Someone said this to me the other day. We're down to just over 100 members that have voted on a farm bill. That's amazing.
1: That's incredible.
2: Somewhere in that range wow. on the on the House side. Huh. Um, the Senate's a little different. It's right. About, uh, half to two thirds of them have voted on one before because they get in the Senate. Yeah. Never leave. But yep. the um, on the on the House side. Uh, There's been a lot of turnover in the last five years, and that's going to affect uh, how some people vote on it or look at it, view what a farm bill means to them, those types of things. And the Ag Committee, as folks have been around that quite a bit, there's quite a few Ag Committee members trying to move on to other committees. Hmm. So you might have some knowledge drain happening at the same time as you walk into a farm bill, folks going to other committees, which is good and bad, right? It's good because you have representation going to other committees. It's
1: bad because you have knowledge. Yeah. So I think it's even more important, your role and uh, ABA working with state associations, working with our ag banking folks, you know, that we need to be engaged. This is going to be a really important year, obviously a really important election coming up, too. But all those points, that's amazing, you know, that it's. About 100 of 435 that have actually been through a farm bill before. That's incredible, but it doesn't surprise me because you're right, and I can attest personally to uh, turnover that happens for members of Congress. But grateful in this case, I love doing that, but I love this even more, fighting for banks and and helping them. So, again, super grateful for what you're doing, but also just see uh, you've just got such a key role right now as we get through this year, but then also gear up for next year. Hey, one thing, our time always goes by so fast on this. Just excited, wanna just make sure people know Ed, Ed Elfman, again, Senior Vice President, American Bankers Association, Head of Ag and Rural Banking for the American Bankers Association. But Ed has very graciously agreed to be one of our speakers at our Ag Banking Conference that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Ed is gonna be speaking on the 25th of August that morning. I think it's gonna be just a fabulous session in Springfield, uh, and we've got a lot of other really great speakers as well. So, Ed, I uh, just want to say thank you. Any last words for ag banking, ag bankers, things you think they ought to be aware of, anything that they're missing? Yeah, just throw it out there. Any last think, thoughts you have?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think, one, I, I hope people can tell will listening list. We're paying attention to a lot of things. Yes. Right. We're trying to be on top of as much stuff as we can and just being aware of what might be out there. I mean, everything from traditional farm bill to climate to carbon credits to all everything in between. I would say one thing. You have your conference coming up. We have a national conference in yes. November, yep. uh, November 6th to the 9th in Omaha, Nebraska. Great. It's beautiful in Omaha in November. I highly suggest you come check it out, but in all seriousness, <laughs> we're going to have a really good conference, a lot of learning opportunities, Great. a lot of looking at some of these new things that are emerging in agriculture. Well, for example, NFTs. Yes. We're going to have a session on NFTs because Great. they're starting to implant chips into cows hmm. to track the cow from being a calf to market. Wow. And using that blockchain as a way to do it. Interesting. So that's just like a high-tech way to think about where we're kind of going in agriculture, what it looks like. And the other thing I would say, and my information is available at aba.com. If you need anything, agricultural banking standpoint or a general banking, I can try to help you get connected with the right people. Don't be afraid to reach out. Great. My job is to, is to work for you as bankers and make sure that you're well represented and frankly, if I said something today, you go, he is way off on that. Shoot me an email yeah. and tell me because I want to make sure we get it right at the end of the day because we want all of you to be as successful as possible as bankers going uh, not only into this upcoming fall and spring but
1: Love it. Ed, thank you so much. And I also just, uh, encourage everybody along with, uh, going to the website there at the American Bankers Association or, uh, especially, uh, like Ed said, he's just, there's a whole section on ag and rural banking that Ed has put together and his, his team overseas and it is excellent. But also come see him in person in Springfield on August 25th. Be sure and register. It's not too late, but it's coming up quick. So hop on right now as soon as you listen to this onto the Illinois.Bank website and register for the IBA Ag Banking and come meet Ed in person. Ed, thank you. Thanks for the great work you do for for me, for us. I see it. You really do work for us. You work for our bankers, and we appreciate it so much. So, uh, And thanks for being willing to be a speaker of ours coming up in a couple weeks. We're really excited about it.
2: Glad to do it. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks, Ed. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care.